Matthew 7, you can open up your Bibles with me, Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. Today we're talking about prayer. And if you've been with us uh, at all for the last few months, you would know that as we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount in the series called Words from the Mountain, you know that Jesus has just a few paragraphs earlier told us all about prayer. In fact, we spent seven weeks talking about prayer. So why is he again talking to us about prayer. Here's why. Because in the past, what he just told us about prayer, he was giving us the content of prayer, what we should be praying for. Today, he's just simply telling us to pray. He's like, he's like the friend that pushes you out on the dance floor when you don't want to go because you're missing out on a good time. The same way today that Jesus pushes you out in a way into the dance floor with his father so that you can dance with him and finally feel the delight in your soul that you are meant to feel. So we're going to today look at prayer and what we're going to find is that there are four different types of people who pray. Four different types of people who pray. So be listening closely to figure out which type of person you are and it's likely that you're a combination of them. So here are the four types. First, the self-sabotager. Second, the normal man. Third, the believing man. And fourth, the trusting man. So self-sabotager, the normal man, the believing man, and the trusting man. So here's our verses. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find... Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? So the four types of prayers, we're going to look at the first one right now, the self-sabotager. Now, the command that we have here from Jesus is to ask. It's to pray. It's, it's Jesus pushing us out on the dance floor to go and be with his Father. So the self-sabotager is the person who simply doesn't ask God for anything. There, there's a hymn or a song, and it goes like this. Oh, oh what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So this is like, you say things like, oh man, I just wish my life would be like this. Or I wish that this would happen in my job. Or I wish that my kids would be like this. Or I wish my spouse would be like this. Or I wish, or I hope, something. Wishing for something and praying for something are very different things. So when you are sabotaging your own life, it's because you just simply aren't asking God for anything. Or you're not saying, for if you ask, you're not realizing, if you ask, it will be given. From the smallest to the greatest. So I want you to imagine a little girl. And she's in her room, and on the top shelf there's a doll. And she wants to play with this doll so bad, but she wants to get it herself. And so she finds a little stool to reach, see if she can reach it, but she can't. It's too high. So then she just starts looking around for all these tools that might be able to help her get this doll that's all the way up at the top shelf. Meanwhile, 
her daddy's in the other room and her dad just wants to be with her. Her dad just wants to, to experience this like moment with her of playing with this doll. And, but, but she refuses uh, to ask him for help. Um, she wants the satisfaction of the achieving the doll on her own. She wants to be the one that does it and she doesn't want to ask for help. So uh, her father says, ah, oh, come on, I can help you. And, and she says, no, she remains stubborn. She remains prideful. And so day after day, she keeps going in her room trying to figure out how she's going to get to this doll. And she just can't seem to get the doll, but she wants it so badly. And her father says, you know, sweetheart, all you have to do is ask me for help. And she exclaims, no, I have to do this on my own. I want to figure out how to do this. And we kind of almost admire her for this determination, but her father's not admiring her. It, it's a, it, she's missing out on something. So her father smiles, but it's kind of sad, and realizing that his daughter is never going to reach this doll. And there's a reason why she's never going to reach it. Because he has put it in a place where he knows she'll never be able to get it. Now, why has he just done that? Because he wants her to ask him. The doll is there and it's meant for them to enjoy together, to be together. But every day, she continues to remain stubborn. And then finally, she goes and knocks on her daddy's door because he's in his home office because it's, you know, we're, we're quarantined from the coronavirus. And she, he opens up the door and, and she says, can you help me get the doll? So the dad's all excited, and he goes in the room, leads the way in, and he's smiling, but he turns around, and she's got tears in her eyes. And he says, what's wrong, sweetheart? And, and uh, she says, I wanted to be able to get the doll on my own. And he smiles, and he lifts her up, all the way up, and she's got a big smile on her face now because she sees the doll, and it's within her reach, and she grabs hold of it, and they enjoy playing with this doll together. And... There, this verse where it says, seek and you will find. Many commentators will say that seeking and finding is relating to praying and then acting. And, and all along, the father just wanted to be with his daughter. And he wanted to be the one that she asked him to help her get it so that they could just be together. Because all along, the father knew that the great delight, the great joy, he is far greater than the doll. And the joy would be him being with her as she played with the doll. So God wants you to ask him for help. And he delights in giving you what you ask for, but you're not doing it. We're, we don't do it. I mean, we remain stubborn. Like this little girl, we remain lonely. We remain determined that we can accomplish something on our own that we were never meant to accomplish on our own. There are things in your life that God has put up on the top shelf and you are determined to get it on your own and you're never going to do it because you were meant to go to your Heavenly Father and ask Him to help you. There's this saying that says, God won't give you more than you can handle. And that saying is total BS because God is completely giving you things that are way more than you can handle because God wants you to go to Him and ask Him for help and then you delight in being with God and together you go and do something that you were meant to do but you were always meant to do it with Him. So, we got to stop self-sabotaging. James 4.2 says, You have not because you ask not. So that's the self-sabotager. The second 
is the normal man and then the believing man. So what I want to do right now between the normal man and the believing man is I kind of want to pit them against each other or compare and contrast the two of them. So the normal man asks, but he doesn't believe that he's going to get what he's asking for. He just asks because he's supposed to do it or because everybody else is, but he doesn't believe. And the believing man asks and believes that God will give him a good gift in his asking. So when we think about this normal man, think about three types of normal men. So first type is the Christian man who is struggling to believe in that moment. So he might ask, but it's kind of like, eh, God's not going to give me what I'm asking for. The second normal man is, is a man with a nominal type of faith where maybe he's gone through, the, been in the church his whole entire life and just has never, never been pushed out on the dance floor enough, never danced with his father, thinking that he is, but actually isn't. And then the third normal man is someone who doesn't believe in the Christian God. So I want to help us understand this by looking at Matthew 17, 20. So, so the disciples, Jesus' disciples, are trying to do something, and they're not able to do it. And they ask Jesus, why weren't we able to do this? And here's what he says. Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. For nothing will be impossible for you. So if you go to the wrong God, then it's like this little girl in her room looking for tools all in her room and stools or just anything that's going to help her reach this doll. But to be a Christian is to realize that God is the one who lifts you up to this thing that you are chasing or to this prayer that you're asking for. So Christianity has this exclusive claim that it's different from every other religion in that every other religion says, Find a tool to get you up there. Find a path to get you up there to reach this doll. Find, just find a way to get up there. Find a strategy. And Christianity says there is no strategy. There is a person and his name is Christ. And he will bring you to your father. And your father will then lift you up to what you're asking for. And this prayer for the believing man... So we've just looked at the, the normal man, now the believing man, doesn't have to be some uber-Christian. This other verse, it says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, then the mountain will move. So there's an error that I think probably most of us make, and that is, if we're asking God for something and he's not giving us what we're asking for, then it's because we have a faith problem. But... Another way to think about this that is probably true, well, is true, is that it's not about the quality of our faith, but the quality of the person that we have faith in. It's not about the quality of our faith. It's about the quality of the person that we have faith in. So if you knock, the, the point when it says, it says to ask and to seek and to knock is what's on the other side of this. There is a mighty God on the other side of this and he is there and he is waiting for you. So the point is about not the quality of your faith, but, but the quality of the person on the other side of the door that you are knocking on. Now let's go back. So the normal man, he's either asking the wrong God, he hasn't yet truly believed, or is a Christian but has fallen into doubt. So... This would be something like saying, oh, I mean, I'm going to ask God, fine, but he's not going to listen to me. 
I know he's not going to give me what I'm asking for. Um, I'm sad to say that I've fallen into this being this man pretty often. So Peter, there's a story where Peter uh, is out on the boat and Jesus walk, is walking on the water. And Jesus calls Peter out on the water. And so Peter goes up out of the water and he's walking along. And then he sees, it says he sees the wind and then he becomes fearful. And as soon as that happens, he begins to sink. But then he does what all of us should do if we're doubting in that moment is he cries out to Jesus and says, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches down his hand, down his hand, pulls Peter up out. But then he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So many of us are doubting with our prayers. And we aren't able to walk upon the water, figuratively speaking, because our prayers are doubtful prayers. So while at the same time, this is the paradox, while at the same time, it's not about the quality of our faith, but by the quality of the person that we have faith in, that's what it's about. At the same time, your life will be lived much different if you believe. There's something that changes for you when you believe. And it's, it's interesting, Peter says to Jesus, command me. So Peter rightfully un, rightly understands that if Jesus commands him to do something, that Jesus will give him the power to actually do what he's commanding him to do. So Peter says, command me. Now, the problem is for Peter is that he's got doubt. Uh, the reason I call it the normal man and the believing man here is because when you have faith, it's not because of you. It's because you've just been given a gift by God. Faith is a gift. It's not something that you earn. You don't muster up the strength to believe something. It is a gift from God. And that's why there's this humble statement where this man says to, to Jesus, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Mark 9, 24 says that. So we don't just need to believe, we need to ask. But we need to ask and then believe as well. But in order to believe, we've got to ask God to help us believe. You see, we just have this dependence on God in everything we're doing. And there's a few things that I pray almost every day. And one of those things is that God would give me faith, more faith. More faith than I have in that moment. And when my faith is weak, Jesus will reach his hand down and pull me up out of the waters of doubt. But be a person of belief in your prayers, but it's not only that you, it's, it's not that you have to try hard to believe, that you focus in on the one who's hold, pull, holding his hand down to pull you up out of doubt. You focus in on the one who's on the other side of the door that you are knocking on. Now, I just said a whole bunch. And it's likely that what I said was a bit confusing, and that's okay. Because to, to think that we're going to understand prayer like that from one sermon is a misunderstanding of who God is and what it means to seek Him out. However, what I would say is, if you're confused, that's okay. Keep on seeking God out and be with other people who are praying and ask them to help you understand this whole prayer thing. Um, and, and there's another thing that happens. So you're asking and you're believing, but then some of you right now are very frustrated because you've been asking and believing and God has not been giving you what you've been asking for. 
And that brings us to the trusting man. Our verse says that God is our father. And we, when we ask him for something good, like bread or fish, he does not give us a stone or a serpent. And then Jesus says this thing almost, it, it, he says it in passing about us being evil. So he says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, then how much more does your heavenly father know how to give a good gift? Now, Jesus just passes over this, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but he, here's the reality. If you come into the presence of God, while you're with other people, you might not necessarily feel evil, but you come into the presence of God, and you're going to become very aware that his perfection has made you see something about yourself that you did not know was there. And you're going to say, compared to him, compared to the standard of who God is, I feel very evil inside. And this is, I mean, this is, this is what it means to be a Christian, is to cry out to God for mercy. But the point of the verse is that if you ask God for something... He's a good father, so if, a, if your father here on earth will give it to you, of course your heavenly father will give it to you if it is good for you. So here is the big thing here. If he doesn't answer your prayer, it's because you asked for something that isn't good. God will always give you what you ask for if you ask for it, knowing everything that he knows which means there's something that we don't know. And that probably frustrated you a bit because it seems like, oh, well, that's just a, a way out. But the reality is that the person who's become this trusting man has come to the realization that what I just said is true, that they can trust God. And if God is not giving them what they're asking for, then God knows something that they don't yet know. He's the person who trusts that if he asks, God will have his best interest in mind. So um, it's, it's just saying, I'm not just going to ask, and I'm not just going to believe, but I'm going to trust God if he doesn't give me what I ask for. If this same small little girl decided that she wanted to not play with her doll anymore, but she wanted to play the drums, so she goes out into the kitchen and turns on the stove burners, and, and, and they're all hot, and she wants to play the drums on this hot stove burner, uh, her father would stop her from doing it. And she would say, why are you doing this to me? It's fun, it's fun to play the drums. Why are you taking the drums away from me? And he would say, oh, you don't understand. This is gonna burn you. And she said, no, it's gonna be fun. And so she's trying to do something that's not good for her, but not realizing it. Now, for us, we look at that little girl and we say, well, of course the father's gonna stop her. But there are things in your life that you think are good for you that aren't. And it's a bit harder for us to see when something isn't good for us, but God keeps us from it. I also want to do something here. I want to call you maybe to a next level of maturity or a next level of trusting in God. That when you ask God for something, that you would come to the realization that God is always doing the work of redemption. And that's good news. However, however, sometimes God might be withholding something from you that might actually be good for you, but it's not good for you because it would keep you from going down this road, and that road actually might bring you into struggles. And then you say, well, why would God lead me there? Because sometimes it's that road of struggle and that road of difficulty that God does his best work in you and through you. That's who God is. He's the God of redemption. So, 
those difficulties will transform you and it's all about trust now we've had to we've had to learn to trust God recently um, over the last two years so our oldest son Cruz was diagnosed with autoimmune encephalitis it means his immune system is attacking his brain and there's a lot of questions that we still have about this whole diagnosis thing but here's my point we've been asking God for two years to heal him and it hasn't happened and we're waiting and we're consistently asking but still nothing it's been incredibly incredibly painful to see him like not understand what's happening to him to see him what seems to be like he's losing himself to see him the emotional torment that he's going through and to just hold this stack of records these medical records that is that is enough records to be three lifetimes, but it's for this little kid of ours. And we've continued to ask God to do something about it, but nothing has happened. So we've had to wrestle with trusting God. And at times it feels like, why even ask him? Because it doesn't seem like he's listening. It's really easy to stop trusting God when he's not answering your prayers. And to some degree, you are experiencing something like that, where you're saying, God already knows what he's gonna do, so why should I even ask him for this? Or maybe you just don't trust him, so you don't wanna ask him, you just wanna keep pushing him away. So you say, well, why should I keep asking? Well, Jesus' answer is just ask. It's a command, just keep asking. And if he doesn't answer the way that you're asking, then you have to come to the conclusion that he is doing something that you don't yet understand or know. And it becomes maddening to think that way because you wonder, well, why wouldn't he just tell me what's going on? And my answer to you would be, I don't know. Go and ask and seek and knock. And when he doesn't answer you and you feel like you're doubting him, say, Lord, save me like Peter did. If you think that you're going to walk through this life and it's always going to be easy. You don't understand the world that you're in. But the Christian has made a decision that the Christian will trust in the promises of God, even if those promises don't make sense in that moment. That God is one, he's doing redemption, even though we don't see it and we don't understand it in that moment. Paul says in Romans, I consider the present suffering is not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. That means that somehow in all of this, in the pain and in the suffering, not only will God use it for good, but somehow the pain and suffering that you're going through now will make eternity all the more better. I don't know how that's possible, but that's the promise. And so the Christian says, I'm going to trust in that right now. So why isn't God answering your prayers? I don't know, but you can trust him. Why is God causing, letting there be pain and suffering in your life, in your marriage, for your kids, for your job, for whatever it might be, I don't know, but we can trust him. Why is God allowing this virus to go run rampant across the whole world? I don't know, but we can trust him. In times like what I just described, if you will ask and seek and knock, you're going to find yourself saying something weird at some point. That I don't know how... And I don't know what happened, but somehow God did some amazing work through all of that. 
And you might not say that right now, and you might not say that in a year, but you might be saying it in five years from now. And so then you ask, well, how do I know if I can trust him? I want to trust him, but how do I know? Well, that is the journey through this life. Learning to trust God when he doesn't answer your prayers. Learning how to ask him when you don't want to. Learning how to seek him when all you want to do is run from him. And learning how to knock on that door when you would rather just walk the other way. Life is a road of wandering and restlessness. And the discovery that in Christ you can find rest, peace, and finally find your true home in in Christ, who, on the cross, went down into the waters of suffering and death and pain and hell in order to pull you up out of it. He went into it to get you out. And Christ, who on the cross cried out this prayer, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Only to hear nothing in response. He called out and heard nothing because in that moment, this is the only place where Jesus doesn't call God Father. And it's in that moment that he lost his Father. So that we can have a Father who will hear our prayers, who will always open the door when we knock and when we seek him. We will find him because he is a good father who comes running. And Jesus, the Christ who, in the resurrection, breaks a hole between heaven and earth so that now our prayers can be heard and who is now seated at the right hand of his father. And every time you pray, Jesus says over to his father, hey, father, they're with us. He's with us. She's with us. They're in the family. Let's hear their prayers and answer them and give them what is good and what is right. And you have the spirit that's living within you, that's teaching you the words to pray even when you don't know them. You just cry out. And those are all gifts. So go to God. Ask Him. Seek Him and knock. And believe and trust. He is a God who waits for you like a loving father. Like the loving father that waits for his girl to come knocking on the door. And let Jesus push you out on the dance floor so you can finally dance with your father in heaven the way you've always been meant to dance with him in prayer. Let's pray. God, we pray that we would learn what it means to have the faith to go out on that dance floor and dance with you, our father in heaven. And Jesus, we ask now that the, the, the part inside of us that wants to run from that dance floor, I pray, Jesus, that you would take hold of us and that you would force us out on that dance floor. Because the great delight of our soul is there with our Father. And so bring us there, God. Take us there, Lord Jesus. Force us out. And then draw us in and teach us what it looks like to dance with you in prayer. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.